We do have a few announcements. The big drop is coming up, and that is next Sunday right after worship. Now, I just need to share with you that uh, next week there will be some parking areas that are kind of uh, off limits in order for Melanie and the team to set up things. So when you come in next Sunday, you're going to find that that things are a little bit different. Bear with us for one Sunday, right? And then Melanie is also looking for people that would help with registration, facilitate games, crafts, set up and clean up. Um, If you are interested or, or if you're willing to help, please go to the uh, table and sign up over here on my left, your right, back over in this side of the lobby. Uh, Melanie would love to speak with you. Also, um, as you leave today, our uh, kids w- from Luke 418, the kids will be passing out in the lobby uh, cards to invite someone that you may know to come. And so take those and share those with friends and family that may have children as well. Um, also, I just want to share with you that... Um, Yesterday was Walk for Bibles, and you know that we uh, donated $100 for each person who went and walked, and we had 71 people show up yesterday. So praise the Lord. For those who need quick math in their head, that's $7,100 that goes to international uh, Bibles to be purchased. And then there was probably another five, dollars $600 donated as well. We may be real close to $8,000 uh, there, we may have a, do we have a picture? I don't know if they got the picture in the back. We don't have a picture. We'll get that picture to you so you can see that. It was great. It was awesome. Also, our deacon nominations uh, are going on until next week, October 22nd. Uh, forms are at the welcome desk. I've shared with you that there are some deacons that have um, already uh, served, and so now that they are, they rotated off, and they can be nominated back. If you would like that list, you can call the office. They would love to give that to you. And then also we have our senior adult trip coming up to Branson in April, April 14th to the 18th. The deadline for you to sign up is technically today. As I've shared with you, those who don't sign up after today, we may still be able to get you on the trip, but we can't promise you that you'll sit with everybody at the different uh, events that we go to in Branson. Um, So we have the Home of Grace with us today. I'm super excited about that. And we also uh, have... Tom Casalero here today. He will be bringing God's word. I'm so excited. I'll share a little bit more. Some, many of you have said, David, are you, uh, I thought you were out of town today because I saw that we have a guest preacher. Well, I want you to know that while I was on sabbatical, one of the things that I learned is that it's really important for pastors to also have people come in and preach while they're still here so that the pastor can also be poured into. And so I am excited today to sit just like you are and to hear that which God has placed on Tom's heart as he shares. And I'll, I'll share a little bit more about Tom right before uh, he comes up uh, to teach. But let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our time of worship. Father, you are so good, and we just praise your holy name. And Father, I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Father, today as your word is opened, as we sing about your truths, may they penetrate our heart. Father, may it not just be head knowledge, but may it be in our heart that we would live it out every day. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the sacrifice that your son gave that we may have life. And today, may we glorify your name as we praise you in spirit and in truth. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 
Amen. We're so encouraged that you came to worship with us today. We do have one more uh, announcement. Our choir and orchestra area needs to be expanded. Okay, we're going to take our orchestra section from 17 seats to 27 seats. So we're going to add 10 more places for people to serve. You say, when are we going to do that? We're going to do that this week, okay? So we uh, need some people to go sign up at the big green banner in the lobby today that can serve this Thursday night at 6, this Friday night at 6, and slash or Saturday at 8 a.m. We need people that can uh, operate carpentry equipment. We need people that can paint with a brush. We need people that can hold a hammer, okay? Yeah, that's what we need. Uh, so we would love for you to come and participate with us as we're, we're growing and, and expanding. Uh, we invite auxiliary orchestra members to our Christmas uh, worship night every year. And we said if we invite who we invited last year, we would run out of seats. And so we're going to make more seats instead of asking people not to come and, and join us to, to, to worship with us. So we're very excited about that. Come see me at that green banner back there, and we'll get you signed up, okay? Let's stand together. Why don't you welcome someone here to Luke 418 Fellowship as we worship on this special day together. Let's sing together. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name to worship him today. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth. And you're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty Show us your glory, Lord. 
today. Let's sing, show us together. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Sing of the victory that we have in Christ. I heard an old, old story how a Savior Because it is exactly all of our stories today that he won the victory for us that we have salvation because of what he did on the cross and that's what this song says that i'm fighting a battle in this life every day that you've already won on the cross amen we'd love to introduce this song to you today Lord. Jesus Christ has won, so I can face tomorrow, for tomorrow's in your hands, and all I need you will provide, just like you always have. I'm fighting a
Father, we just thank you so much for this gospel that we hold so dear. We thank you for your son who paid the ultimate sacrifice for us that we might go out into the world and show the hope that we have found and let you fight our battles and bear, and bear our burdens as we bear one another's burdens together. We pray that we would be a community committed to sharing Jesus wherever we go. I pray, Lord, that we would not love you with some of us, but that we would love you heart, soul, mind, and strength today. That when people see us, they would have no doubt in their mind who our Lord and our Savior is. And that conversations would be open, that you might meet with them through us having a conversation. We pray that you would forgive us how we have sinned against you today, Father, that we might walk in the light of your love, that we might be sanctified, brought closer to you each and every day, Lord. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My name is Valerie McKinley. I've been with the Home of Grace and involved with them since 2005, currently serving as the executive director. Home of Grace began in 1973. It was the vision of Mrs. Doris Woods Littleton who started the Home of Grace for women in her home in Saraland, Alabama. And the story goes that she eventually was basically told by the neighbors and the city there that she needed to um, not have those ladies there in the neighborhood. People did not want those people living in their neighborhood. And so as a result, Miss Littleton began to look for a place for the home of grace to be on a more permanent basis. So she came here to our beautiful property in Eight Mile, Alabama, and she found about 40 acres with a couple of buildings on it. And so she began to uh, pursue and that dream of being able to have the Home of Grace for Women where it currently sits. Now, if you come out here on our property today, you'll see many buildings where um, this program goes on. And uh, one of the visions that she did not get to see fulfilled was a housing for, a family housing for women who had children. And she knew that that was a great need for ladies. Today, we have a test pilot program that we use for women who have their children. And so far, that has been very successful. These ladies have went on to be able to secure housing after they've been with us for a period of time, had their families restored, working jobs today. So we know that that dream that Miss Littleton had was indeed a God-given dream. And we look forward to that day when we're able to see that family housing unit built. The mission of the Home of Grace is that we provide a 90-day rehab center for women ages 18 and older who are struggling with substance abuse. When we say a comprehensive program, we mean a program that is designed to uh, work on every area of a lady's life, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, all the ways that addiction touches someone. We tell the ladies that if you leave any of those doors open, that you will find yourself quickly back into that same shape again and oftentimes worse. So we work on every one of those areas 
in the 90 days that the ladies are here. Now, we know that at the end of the day, it's Jesus. It is that spiritual part that is going to truly set these ladies free. But we know that we do have to deal with all the other ways that addiction touches their lives. So our mission is to be able to return that lady back to her family, back to her community, back to her home there so that she can be um, back what she was created to be whenever she was first formed. You know, the challenges of addiction are really no different than they've ever been. One of the greatest challenges is in the challenge of finance because many times people do not reach out for help with their struggles with addiction because they don't have the financial means to. Um, there are millions of people that are struggling with addiction. The statistics tell us that only about 10% of people ever reach out for that help. And generally, finances is a huge barrier for that. So uh, here at the Home of Grace, we have a saying that we don't turn anyone away who is actively wanting to be free of sub substance abuse addiction. And so uh, what we do is we do a lot of fundraising here at the Home of Grace. We're dependent upon churches, uh, the individual donors um, to, to be able to help us to do this mission. So it does take funds. It takes funds to pay the utility bills, to feed these ladies, which is, a, which is a challenge. We do have the privilege of having many of our facilities that's long since been paid for, one of the beauties of having a facility that is celebrating 50 years, but the ongoing daily needs of utilities and food. It costs about $6,000 to put a lady through this program and uh, providing the counseling and the classes and all that are taught by certified counselors. Some of those things, we those are the necessary funds that we must have. So what we would ask today is that you are moved by these stories that you have heard today, the testimonies that you hear, and we ask that you would do what you can. Every bit helps. Financing is always the great struggle of a nonprofit, and so we do rely on churches, individuals, organizations, businesses to be able to help us. The Home of Grace is an easy place to invest your life, to invest your passion, and the reason why we say that, not just myself, but the wonderful staff that we have here at the Home of Grace is the joy you get to see in a lady having her life restored, seeing someone who is at the very bottom and being able to see their life completely turned around in every way. I, I can't even tell you what what that does. It's, it's really... Um, it's something that we're passionate about here at the Home of Grace, and it's something that we feel called to do. And uh, just being the hands and feet of Jesus, the privilege of that, it, it, is, it is a joy. came home one day with a raggedy raggedy Ann. She said, Mama, look what I found in the neighbor's garbage can. It had a missing left arm and a right button eye hanging by a thread. 
She carried it gently up to her room and laid it on her bed with her other dolls. She loves her broken ones, the ones that need a little patching up. She sees a diamond in the rug and makes it shine like new. It really doesn't take that much, a willing heart and a tender touch. If everybody loves her like she Shelter on 18th Avenue. A 17-year-old girl shows up all black and blue. Needle tracks in her left arm, almost too weak to stand. She says, "I'm lost and I need help." As Doris takes her hand, says, "Come on in." She loves. Amen. Many of you in this room knew Miss Doris, and as they were singing that song, it reminded me of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. It says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's truly what Miss Doris did. It is an honor and a joy to share with you today that not only is the home of grace here and what a beautiful song that they sang, but Tom Casalero is here today. Many of you know Tom. He's been around Luke 418 for many, many years, him and his family. Um, and they're over here on, on my left. I'm excited to see them. 
Tom has spoken at our marriage retreat. He's spoken to the youth many times. In 2020, he spoke here uh, on a Sunday morning at the last second when I had COVID and Randy had COVID and Matthew had COVID and everybody had COVID. And I called uh, Tom and I said, Tom, you've got 12 hours. And, uh, but this time I told him you have a few weeks to prepare. Uh, you know, Tom had some influential people in his life and there's a lot that he could share. But I just want to share three names that he that poured into his life in different ways. And that was people that you may recognize like Brother Fred and Brother Ed. Al Jackson, who has spoken here. Tom has received his Master's of Divinity and his Master's in Counseling, which I think is incredible for a pastor to have both of those. Uh, I'll tell you how I met Tom real quickly. When I got to Mobile, back to Mobile, I said, Lord, bring somebody that would disciple me, that would mentor me. And uh, I was at Davidson High School, and I saw Tom, and out of my mouth said, Hey, would you disciple me? Uh, something like that. I don't remember the exact uh, phrasing. But anyways, he said, I'll pray about it. I got in my car and I said, I don't know what I just did, but praise God, he's at least going to pray about it. I said, maybe maybe he's a Christian, you know, that you know he's going to pray about it. Um, but come to find out it was a perfect, perfect storm that the Lord was putting together as Tom has truly poured in to my life. He's uh, served in uh, Brook Hills, and then he's also been a church planter in central Florida, but I believe that at the depth of his heart is to disciple men and women for the kingdom of God. And that's what he's done in my life for the past 14 years, um, and just so dear to me, and I'm so excited to hear what God's going to share through Tom Casalero. Tom, come on up, and we're so thankful that you're here today. Thank you, brother. Well, with that kind of introduction, it seems like I ought to know something. <laughs> and, uh, and I will tell you that uh, I really honestly don't know much. Uh, the truth of the matter is I do know the most important thing. And that's the most important person, and that's Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm a broken one. And we're among broken people. And so... Uh, this wasn't necessarily pre-planned, but I'm going to ask for as many that can stand up that you would just walk towards these women from Home of Grace, because there needs to be a Home of Grace on every corner in, in our world. And just y'all sit down, but y'all move to them. We're going to lay on hands, and if you can't get there, that's fine. Y'all just hold your hand up towards them. I'm going to pray for them right now, because God is working in miraculous ways in their lives. And it's just a simple touch. It's just a simple touch. I'm going to give you all a moment. We're going to lift these women up as we uh, go before the Lord right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, that you are a God of grace. You are God of mercy. And Father, I thank you for these women Father, that have stood before a congregation of people to just say that they struggle. But Father, they know that their only hope, their only life can be found in you. And Father, not just for them, but for us. Father, I pray that you would use us to be an encouragement to them in word and in action. And Father, I also just pray that we would hear your word today. Father, that your word would transform us from the inside out. And Father, that we would never be the same. Father, there's no accident that we're all here today. This is a divine appointment, a, 
an appointment that you've arranged. And Father, I pray that you would touch these women. Father, that you would touch us. And Father, that you would use us for your glory. Father, I pray by your love, by your grace, by your mercy, Father, that we will live fully and freely for you. Father, empower these women, Father, to open their arms to you and receive your love and live out that love each and every day of their lives, that they know that they are loved by the one that has made them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Y'all, thank you for getting up. Thank you for moving toward them. And for all of those that also lifted your hands in prayer and then supported them, thank you for doing that. The truth of the matter is, we all have a need. And I had all kinds of illustrations, all kinds of stories to start off with today. And I'm going to dispense with all of those and just get right to it, as they say. So... Uh, there, and I, I shared with, uh, with several today already, the Lord, now David, I, I want I, I do want to clarify this. Brother David, his memory is not as tight as some. That may be a surprise to many of y'all, but, but what the brother does do is he does love well. And, uh, and I'm grateful that he is a man that I know that he gets on his knees before our Heavenly Father. And he cries out to God on behalf of each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. You receive the card, you receive the call, you receive the visit. This is a man after God's own heart. And it's not just because his name is David. He truly is a man after God's own heart. And so it's an honor for me to be here with you as your brother and also to share. But I'm also going to add one additional thing. Sometimes from where you're seated, and if your eyes are not as as sharp and as keen as Brother David's, you may not be able to see from where you were sitting. But Aaron was really, truly weeping as he was worshiping. I'm going to say that again. He was weeping as he was worshiping. Now, he doesn't want me to say that. He doesn't want me to bring any attention to him, and I'm not really honestly bringing attention to him, but he also has a heart after God because it's not the words that he's singing. It's truly the God that he worships, and he knows that God has changed lives because like me, I'm here to testify. He's changed this life. I mean, without him, I am nothing. I can do nothing. And I need him. And so we're all in the same place as we gather here today because we all are the same in so many ways. Our struggles may have different names. They may have a different impact on us, but we're, the, the, we're similar nevertheless because we struggle. We struggle with sin, we struggle with temptation, we struggle with addictions, and it's not just alcohol and drugs, it's food, it's work, it's sexual things, there's a lot of struggles in this room, 
And we have wounds. We have wounds that we ourselves cannot heal. So we're, we're together in this. There isn't anybody in this room that is better than anybody else. And I say, certainly not me. Uh, this isn't a time, although we've had a mini testimony, I'm not asking for my family to testify. They would say he is not a perfect man. In fact, I, I get it more wrong than I do get it right. And, and this is how I greet my family. God morning. Because this is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. God morning. Because the only good that we have in our lives is from a good, good father that loves us. And he truly loves us. It's not a feeling. It's not a word. He didn't just send us a Hallmark card. He loves us. And so, if you saw the title of the message today, and it says, blank, the love of my life. That blank is there for a reason, and it's supposed to be a semicolon, but I didn't correct that, so that's on me. Uh, I, I, I can't see that top dot. Maybe it's there. Uh, but it, 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 we, we often have a saying, and, and, and hey, Brother David warned me, he said, hey, tread lightly if you can talk about football today, and I'm not here to talk about football. I'm here to talk about faith. But I could, I could possibly say, oh man, Alabama, the love of my life. Or I, I, I could say my wife's name, Diane, the love of my life. I I could even say, man, this peach milkshake by Chick-fil-A, the love of my life. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. There are so many things, and we throw around this word like it just has no meaning. We love football, we love food, we love our houses, we love our car, we love our truck, we love our kids, we, we just throw this word out and we love our dog and we love our pets i mean how is it possible so i want to kind of put things a little bit in perspective because i think that this is one of the most important things not only that we hear today but we hear each and every day and so i'm so thankful when brother david said hey you have two hours to get it done. I said, thank you, brother. I don't feel any pressure. So um, this, this message that is only 17 pages long in front of me, I'm sure we will finish before dinner. And by dinner, I literally mean dinner. So we're going to dive in. And I'm going to start off with literally talking through uh, some of scripture, and, and I had intended on going to Mark 12 and kind of unpacking the entire passage today. I am not going to have time to do that, y'all, because I, I, I would like to get home before midnight. So we're going to shortcut this, but I'm going to start off before I read this passage and say, whether you believe it or not, I'm going to say it again, it is not an accident that you were here. And I'm not just talking about in this building together this morning. I'm saying here. Yeah. 
So it doesn't matter whether you're 12 or 13 or you're 83 or you're wondering if you're going to make your 100th in the next couple years. It's not an accident that you're here. And because we have a heavenly father that is the one who has made us and we've been made in his image because that is the case it's in our dna that we're born with a longing does anybody know what i mean when i say longing we have a longing in us from birth to be intimately personally connected with others we have that in us we know that it's in us it comes up in various ways that first time that you're sitting on that carpet and you're so little you're just glad to get food even if only half of it goes in your mouth and you reach for that toy and some other child snatches it and you just say like i just want to play and they said to you that's mine we, we feel separated, disconnected, hurt over these things. And listen, those things, the toys, they only get bigger and bigger. And, and, and that wound becomes bigger and bigger. But God's created us to belong, to satisfy that longing in us that nothing and no one can satisfy Now, if you don't hear another word from me, please hear this. Please hear me when I say this. I don't care what you've done in your life. God loves you. God loves you. It doesn't matter whether you're going to brag that you've lived a perfect life in your eyes, or you've had every struggle known to man and woman, God loves you. And, and here's the punchline to this whole title. I can't look to anything or anybody to fill and satisfy my deepest longing other than Jesus. Other than God himself, I mean, how unfair is it for me to turn to my wife and say, you're responsible to meet my needs? Uh-uh. No, she's not. And listen, she, she would die trying because I can be pretty needy. And, and so it's not her responsibility, it's not her place Only God can satisfy my deepest longings. Only God can meet my every need. Because he made me. He knows me. And he desires to have that relationship with you and with me. So I'm going to start off in 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to run through this quickly. Okay? This is what it says in John chapter 4, verse 4. You are from God, little children. You have, and it says, and have overcome them. Now the them is those that would be coming against us as a whole. 
Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So I'm going to stop there for a second and just kind of pause. Let me go back to that. So there's a few things I want to kind of say about that intro to this scripture. Now, how many of y'all have had kids? Anybody in here have kids? Okay, look, the room is fairly represented. How many in the room have you been a child? You're a kid. You've been a kid. Okay, so it applies, looks like to almost all of us except about seven people that I counted. So listen, this is an endearing term. When John is calling them little children, sometimes we don't, we don't get it. We're like little kids. And we need to be told things clearly and told those things repeatedly so we get it. How many have ever been exhausted in watching kids? Or, or telling kids what they need to do. I mean, so we, we can understand, but he's not speaking to little children. He's not speaking to, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school children. He's saying to us, hey, you are the little children. Because we don't get it all. So I want to kind of say this to start off before we get too far into this passage and, and help you understand. You don't understand everything. You don't get it all. And you don't know it all. But there again is one. One critical knowing in our life that not only makes a world a difference, but changes eternity. And that's knowing God. Knowing God, where our real origin comes from. So there are people right now in this room with us and watching online. They don't know who their birth mom or their birth dad, who they are. Or they may have been separated from the family or did not know their mom or their dad because of some tragic event in their life. There is loss and, again, tremendous pain experienced in many different ways in our lives. But this scripture starts off, you are from God. That is the origin of our beginning. But it doesn't define his beginning because there is no beginning and no end with him. So God, who is infinite, created us and we're from him. We belong to him. And sometimes through life circumstances, we can lose our way and begin to define ourselves through our own problems, our own hurts, our own hang-ups, our own habits, and our own struggles. We're missing it. The most important relationship that we have in our life is with God. Now, Brother David let loose the secret that I'm a therapist and, and I do that among many other things in life. But I tell people when I see them the very first time in counseling, I, I remind them that our deepest struggle is not really 
what we identify it is, as. We, our biggest struggle is often that we don't have the right view of God. So if we don't have the right view of God, we're not going to have the right view of ourselves. And if we don't have the right view of ourselves, we're not going to have the right view of others. And, and it may seem a little bit odd for me to say it to you that way. Uh, again, I'm going to unpack it a little bit more with you just to be as clear as possible. But we often, whether we believe in God or not, we often make, and we have things out of whack, less of certain things and more of certain things. We, we make more of our problems and less of God. And, and we do that in so many different ways, but the truth of the matter is, God is bigger, as it says in this passage, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And not just in the world, but in any struggle that we have. God is greater. He is more than anything we can imagine. But this is why I really appreciate the little children part. How many of you have been around a kid that's under five? Anybody ever been around someone under five? Have you ever noticed they ask peculiar questions and random and sometimes in things that you really don't want them to ask, like, why is the sky blue? You're maybe okay with that, but why is your belly as big as Santa's? <laughs> Probably doesn't really sit well, if you know what I mean, when you hear those kind of questions. And, 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 and they will ask things too, like, why is the sky lighting up? What are those things? Now, if you stopped in that moment and say, well, let me explain about this charge thing and electrons and neutrons and protons, and we're going to talk about the earth and the sky, and we're going to talk about the pressure that's going on between those and what ends up happening. Like some of y'all are already nodding off, <laughs> and you're grown. So to explain something to a child, sometimes they don't get it. They just don't get it. But I so appreciate, and I'm speaking in my own life, my oldest child came to know Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior at an early age. And there were some people says that she doesn't know everything. She doesn't know what she needs to know. She knew that she needed a Savior. She knew that she didn't have in her what needed to be in her, which was the living Christ, the spirit of truth. And so she says, please forgive me of my sin and come in. Be my Lord, my master, my savior. Hey, just as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways above your ways, my thoughts above your thoughts, says the Lord Almighty. See, we just don't get it. We're kids. And even though we may be, again, approaching that hundred mark in life, we still don't know it all. But the thing that we need to know is God. So I'm going on to read. Now I'm jumping, I'm actually going to jump down to verse 7. And I'm going to say, say this related to verse 7. Um, Beloved, let us love one another. 
For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and, what's that last two words? Knows God. Now this is a key ingredient, because Luke 4.18 has three things. You need to know, you need to grow, and you need to go and show. Now, those things are critical in the life of this body. Why? Because they're straight from the Word of God. And, and, and the way that we can know that the love of God and God himself is present is if we love others. Because we don't love others as we want to be loved. The standard for us to love is we love others the way that we ourselves have been loved. That's why when we look at things like, and and this is so powerful, when we look at things like, and I'm going to come back to this scripture in 1 John chapter 4, but I'm jumping just to John 3.16. Many of you know it. And also... uh, Romans 5, 8, those two passages say, for God so loved. How how does God love? I'm going to repeat it just in case you don't know the verse in John 3, 16. For God so loved. How does God love? He so loved. And and here's the thing about God's love. He, He gives in his loving. He forgives in his loving. He also, listen, he demonstrates that. He demonstrates that in little and big ways. Our God is very practical. And he meets us where we are. Listen, and he loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay that way or in that place. His ultimate goal and his will for our lives is that we would become conformed to the image of his son. So we receive that love that he so loved, like so loved, like so loved. And it also says that very same thing in this passage Because it goes on, and I'm going to read through it quickly, just so you can hear the word of God. Born of God and knows God, verse 7, the one who does not, listen, the one who does not love, what does it say? Does not, does not know God. Why? Because God is love. God is love. And at this point, I would thank my my math teacher in school when I was in elementary that said, is equals, God equals love. Same thing, interchangeable. And we have a definition of that and some, some understanding of that, not only through scripture and not only through 1 Corinthians 13 where it talks about love is patient, love is kind. Has God shown you that he is patient toward you? Has he shown you his kindness? Does he hold against you your wrongs? See, we have a God that forgives. 
forgives us. Our identity is in him, not in what we're doing, what he's done. And what Jesus has done on the cross, that's why Jesus said, it is finished. You no longer have to give over to religion through empty, meaningless activity. You have a relationship with me. I have created the bridge that you couldn't bridge. The the just for the unjust, the pure and the innocent for the guilty and the sinful. What an exchange. What a blessing for us. And I'm saying if you've never come to the point that you think that just coming in this room and, and listen, and being here and singing songs makes you a Christian, then that makes me a shovel because I spend time in the shed a lot. Y'all, the only thing that makes us a Christian is when we surrender our life and say, it's, it's yours, God. I want to know you. That we die to sin and we say yes to him and confess that he is Lord. He is master. And in that knowing, then, then we begin to grow. See, the growing doesn't start until we really know. Because unless, and the little baby in me is crying out right now to y'all. You can't hear it. No. <laughs> All right, so moving on. So I want to read this passage. Like I said, back to First, um, first John chapter 4. And he says, The one who does not know uh, love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into this world so that we might live, live through him. In this is love not that we loved God. Y'all, if you write in your Bibles or you have that special marker that you can circle on the screen in front of you, you you definitely want to highlight 10. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big word that I'm going to have to turn to Brother David and ask. Now, Brother, what is that word, propitiation? You were coaching me. Okay, he said it's atoning sacrifice. It's he was substituted for us. He took that weight. He took that penalty because only he could. Because only he could. So listen, this one verse wipes out the whole idea that we could somehow, some way, in, in some form or fashion, prove that we're worthy to be loved and that because we're so good at loving God, he would love us. Second statement. You can't do anything to earn God's love and you can't do anything to lose God's love. Refer to number one. God loves you. 
He loves you because he is love. And it's not conditional on what you're doing. That's why I said, it doesn't matter to me what you've done. It's what he has done and who he is. So this is essential. Listen, this is one of the most critical factors uh, of our lives. Now we're in the growing part of things. Now we're moving along. Now we're wanting to become more like Christ. So we're in that growing stage. Some people call that sanctification, but it talks about that we are to grow in and abound in his love. Why? Because Jesus said to his disciples before he was crucified, he said, listen, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And this is what he says, and it's clear in John chapter 13, 34, and 35. He says, all will know that you are my followers, my disciples, by the love that we have for one another. Listen, the only characteristic that ought to define and be the trait that the world sees is the love for one another. When I see my brother, when I see my sister, when I see my brother, when I see my sister, it's the love that I have for them. It's the love and the grace. Listen, if we were to go back, and you can look at it yourself, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, we don't have it up on the screen for you, but it says that God has lavished his love on us lavished his love on us that we should be called children of God. Like we have a family. We belong. God satisfies that for each and every one of us. So we can have a hope and we can live as it says in 1 John chapter 4. This is what we're to practice. Jesus himself said, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you will be like a wise master builder who builds his house on the rock. And he didn't say if rains come, if storms happen. He said when they come. But are we standing because everybody's as strong as me? No way. We're standing because we're in Christ and Christ in us. We're abiding in him and he in us. He's living in us and through us. And as Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, for I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. And the life that I now live, I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So our life doesn't even belong to us. Listen, my kids hear from me. They hear from me when they're little. They don't belong to me. They're a gift from God. That's why I greet them not only with the God morning, but my next statement is child of God. Because I don't own them. So I'm also not telling them how to live their life, but I want them to see how I'm living my life. Unto God, unto him. He's the one that I want them to 
follow. He's the one that I want them to be dependent upon. So it's my children that, that they don't belong to me. Listen, our bodies don't belong to us. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, that we have been bought with a price. What was that price? The Son of God, Jesus. Jesus. And so, and, and it says, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit that is within us. We're not our own. We belong to him. And this is what he says, and this is the key part of it. Therefore, glorify God in our bodies. So I, I don't hold on to my kids like I possess them. I release my kids to live so that they will live after God's own heart. So they'll seek after him and their dependence won't be on this rickety old dude, but on the one that will never leave them nor forsake him. That they will always know he will be there for them. Because that's what it means. So, and again, I wanted to unpack this for you. And, and Brother David didn't threaten me that he wouldn't get me lunch, but he kind of sort of did. So I, I, I'm going to have to wrap up here kind of quickly as I say this. This is the deal. I was going to jump into Mark, and, and, and I'm going to put, I want to jump, jump to that last verse in First, first John chapter 4, that last one. Um, put verse 17, I think it is. 19, thank you. We love because he first loved us. We got to remember that. We love because he first loved us. We didn't come up with this idea. And, and again, it says, as we just read, so he, he so loved, he so loved, he so loved. And, and, and listen, it wasn't that we loved God. It was that God loved us. Because we didn't have that capacity. It wasn't in us. Until we came to know him and then we grow in him. So I'm just quickly jumping, quickly jumping to... Um, Mark 12, 28 through 32. Mark 12, 28 through 32. And in that it says this. One of the scribes came to him and heard uh, them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well and asked him, what commandment is the foremost of them all? Now, I, I don't know about you if you had a question to ask God or ask Jesus what you would ask. But I would think that this would be one of the ones that would rank on the top. Like, what's, what's, the, what's the most important thing that I do? How do I live my life? What's my purpose? How do I go about this? And, and, and so it's a pretty critical thing. Now, I'm going to mention, and this is why I'm really, really frustrated and sad, that I, I really don't get the two hours that I thought that I was going to get. Because the whole passage leading up to this is people challenging Jesus. And here's the deal. They wanted to trap him. And this is clearly one of the three examples that we have of Jesus, or at least an attempt to trap him. Now, I don't know about you and where you are with your walk and faith in God, but this is the reality. God is not mocked. For what we sow, we shall reap. And he knows the thoughts and the intentions of their heart and their mind and this is the reality he also knows ours 
So there's no playing games with God. It's real time. And he's real. And he came and clothed himself in flesh. And he suffered and died on our behalf. And he rose victoriously and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. So this is true. So when we begin to ask the questions, let's make sure that we're also in alignment with what God is saying. And, and we're asking because we genuinely, we really want to know what we're asking. So here he goes on to say this next. Jesus answered, the foremost, the most important thing is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, this kind of level the playing field, because they were hoping to catch him, and, and, and this scribe uh, maybe had a little bit of di- different intentions than the ones prior to this. Because that whole preceding passage, they talked about being married and, and you know, who, who you pay taxes to. And let me, let me kind of just pull from that for a second. The reason why they were against Jesus was because people were starting to follow him. And he was taking away their money. He was turning tables over. And he was telling them, you're a brood of vipers. You're not doing God's will. And he was messing with their religion. So there would be reason for them to say, hey, you're, you're messing with how popular we are, how, how much money we're getting, how many people are following us and, and listening to us and doing what we say and following all the rules. You're really interfering with our life. And in that whole passage, one of the phrases that was in it was render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and what is God is God's. Because he answered the questions and they couldn't challenge him. Because each and every one of us, just like Toy Story, we are image bearers. We, we carry about us. We are greater than the trees and the grass and the cows. Although some people believe cows are pretty important, but they're mistaken unless you're grilling them out. Because in reality, it's just an animal that God created for us to also have authority and rule over. But he created us out of the dust, and he breathed in us the breath of life. And we are made in his image. And so when we get to this, and he literally says, with all your heart, he could have just stopped right there. Because that's one of the biggest areas of struggle for us. Will we really believe and trust God with all our heart? Because as I said in the beginning, and as it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Now, I'm not... I'm not picking on anybody in this room, but we have different crutches. We have different canes. We have different things that we lean heavy on. But it's not supposed to be our own understanding. But we acknowledge God, which means to recognize who he is. 
that he is exalted, he is high and lifted up. And we are just created in his image. It's not about us. But it's so wonderful. When we come to that knowing, the, I, and listen, y'all, I had such a list of things to share with you, and I'm going to see if I can give you some of them even now. Because this is literally what he is saying to us. I love you. I forgive you. You are rare and beautiful. There's nobody like each of us in this room. But yet we're all image bearers. We all bear the image of Christ. I care for you. I provide for you. I hold a high standard because you're mine. You're my child. There's a special calling on you and your life because you're in my family and you belong to me. I celebrate you. I accept you. And, and listen, those are just a few things that God sees and believes and says about us. That's about knowing his love, then growing in his love. And the only thing for us to do is that next verse in Mark 12. It says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandments greater than these. Now, it's very easy because we've heard this time and time and time again. We, as followers of Christ, don't have the option of reading the Word of God and seeing that I'm to love my neighbor as myself and think that that's a good suggestion. Or only done on maybe Sundays. It's to be the way that we live, the way of life. How are we to go and show the world that we love and we are loved by God If we haven't received that love personally, we're not walking in. And I'll say this too. If we're being critical of ourselves and holding ourselves up to a a standard that's higher than God's. So many people say, well, I can forgive others and and I can accept God's forgiveness for me, but I can't. What's the rest of the sentence? Can't forgive myself. That's, y'all, that's not humility. That's pride. That's, that's not how God sees us. It's not why he dances and celebrates over us. It's not why all of heaven throws a party, not for the whole football team, but for one, one that comes to know him, one that says yes to him. And, and, and everybody's our neighbor. Everybody needs that love. And listen, we want, we need, and, and I wanted to dive into first, I mean, Ephesians chapter 2. But boy, we came from the kingdom of darkness, and now we're in the kingdom of light. But God, rich in mercy, God gave us more than we deserved. More. So I just challenge you today, today, For you to settle, if you don't know him, that you would say yes to him today. Aaron's going to come up and sing here in a second. And and I'm saying this to you, that you would fill that blank and say, Jesus, the love of my life. And if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, I pray that you would grow in love. That you would show love to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ each and every day.
And especially, there is a lost and dying world that needs to hear that there's hope, that the one that has made them and made us, he loves them. We need to not just tell them that, we need to show them that. We need to embrace them. We need to reach out our hands and touch everybody because everybody needs a touch from God. So I'm going to pray for us now, and Aaron's going to sing, and Brother David is going to stand at the front and receive anyone. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. And I thank you that your truth truly sets us free. That there is no one like you. And you are truly the love of our lives. But right now, for that one that has just been going through the motions, just showing up, or running away, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. That they would turn their life to you and trust you to do the work in and through them. And I pray that we as followers, we would dispense grace, forgiveness, and love in the way that we've received grace, forgiveness, and love. Help us right now to respond, to be on mission, to tell the whole world about you through our words and through our actions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.